What's up, everyone? This is the Nuts and Bolts Podcast, and I'm your host, the one Jame, here with our amazing co-host, Airball. Hey, guys. And Michael Kritz. What to do? And we are here to give you the nuts and bolts of the standard and pioneer formats each and every week. But first, let me talk to you about the sponsor of the podcast, CoolStuffInc.com. Using code JAMES5, you can save 5% off of anything in the store, sealed products, singles, anything you could ever need in Magic the Gathering, and every other card game for that matter. There you have it. Go save yourself some hard-earned money and go to CoolStuffInc.com today. You know what's next. It's the upkeep. We're going over the jargon today, and it's cheese. <laughs> Uh, any tactic which completely avoids combat in order to win or bring oneself closer to winning. Uh, a lot of times people bring up cheesing the game when they're just in top deck mode the last second and top deck a lightning strike or a lightning bolt to kill your opponent from three or less life out. And uh, that, I guess that's how I look at cheesing. How do you guys look at cheesing? For me, cheesing is when one player is like massively ahead and they're just trying to avoid losing in some bullshit way. Yeah, uh, cheese is basically bullshit. Like you get pinged down by, <laughs> you know, some random mayhem devil trigger for from a bunch of sacrifices when you could have just gained 10 life from uh, from something earlier in the game. But you you were greedy, so you didn't. And so you got cheesed out by mayhem devil. You, Michael? Uh, uh, cheese is anything my opponents do when I'm playing Rakdos because I have, you know, done enough stuff throughout the whole beginning and middle of the game and they just top deck exactly what they need and i lose and that's that's cheesing for me that's that's probably what it describes i, know, like, I guess i guess cheese is like anything that you could be the most salty about actually happening like is your opponent cheesing mm -hmm. I, but I, I, I do kind of agree with agree with you airball that's like what is the way that i get cheesed and then you have to try to not get cheesed uh, if you're super far ahead in card advantage i, I think that's a topic that's a topic for a different podcast. Oh no, different topic. I, I don't need to hear how you get cheese, but <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Let's go to the main phase. We're talking about Panharmonicon. If you don't know what that is, um, Magic did a Twitch stream today that uh, went over a first look, quote unquote, of Phyrexia I Will Be One, the new set coming out in the beginning of February, first week of February, and there's a few cards that are spoiled, there's some rarities that are foil, uh, spoiled. I said foil because what's not foil in this thing, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, everything's sure. foil. But uh, we're going we're gonna to go into... That was a good save, wasn't it? We're going to go into all these cards, and there's not too many cards, but we asked them to go over, but first we're going to go ahead and talk about Elish Norn. This one's called Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. It's a four and a white... For a legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor, Vigilance, 4-7. And Elishnor was a 4-7 before, wasn't she? Or was it a 5-7? Uh, if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time, and permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponents control to trigger. So it is a Panharmonicon, and at the same time it's a Torpo Orb for just your opponent. So this is 5 mana, so... Are you are we playing this in standard? Is it just like a commander? Is it just in commander decks? Like, I mean, Elstorm being five mana, like that's a lot. But everyone's everyone before said, you know, Shieldred's four mana. It and it doesn't have an enters the battlefield trigger. It's going to die immediately. And then Shieldred is like a multi format all star. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead, Michael. <laughs> Yeah, what, I mean, what, 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 what's your first impression? Give me, give me your first impression. Give me your hot takes 
about Ellis' mom. Uh, you know, we all love a mommy. Uh, the first hot take is Elish Norn mommy of machines. No one's going to ever say mother of machines. Let's get that off and popping. Of course, she is mommy of machines. Uh, M-O-M. Look at what they did there. Real clever. Uh, I was on second, purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what deck wants this because, I mean, um, it's too expensive for mono white. Like, I know mono black, it, like, four mana super expensive mono black but like is it really it's not because you know it, it, i don't know four mana is much more it's it's very different than five mana four mana is you know that's where you kind of want to have like your big effect or five mana you want to have your big effect four mana and you don't have much of an effect like people argued about children okay but like it kind of it's going to survive at least eternal to two damage to your opponent if they have nothing to deal with it you probably win the game Five mana, you know, Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, a 4-7, Vigilance. She doesn't really do anything when she first comes into the battlefield. Your opponent will probably play, will definitely play around it if they don't have to play something that ETBs. Um, it's much different in, in the color white. As I mean, I'm happy it wasn't three white white. Um, if it was three white white, this, this card would be probably very unplayable, like way more unplayable. But since it's four and a white, sideboard for control? I don't I don't know. We can we can we can we can divert to Airball to have him ask answer that question because I'm not a, a big control mage, but like, hey, hey, I already uh, have a spicy idea for this card, but I want to hear what you have to sure. say, Airball. Yeah, I think we might be on the same page with this. I think that Enigmatic Incarnation really wants this card. Oh, we're um, not on the same page, but I like that page. Okay, this page is excellent. Um, so I think El I think Michael's right that Elish Norn a four seven that doesn't really do much when it ETBs. Uh, I'm gun shy about my take on Shieldred earlier, where I said it was bad. I think I'm right this time. Elish Norn just dies to an awful lot of removal and doesn't do enough uh, to take over standard unless there's like a significant amount of ETB support in the set. We haven't seen the whole thing yet, obviously. But um, right now, in Enigmatic Incarnation the toolbox deck where you have the enchantment that fetches out creatures by sacrificing enchantments. The five drop slot in those decks is really bad. Like you're playing Tolsamir because you need good five drops. Yeah. Uh, Cavalier of Dawn is like the other five drop that these decks are playing. Elish Norn comes into play in the mirror match. It's just going to be a race to this card because it totally shuts you down. If you're playing against this and you're playing Edipatic Incarnation. And if you're playing with it, then all of your toolbox creatures, when they ETV get double the effect. Yorian comes into play, blinks everything, it comes back in, everything gets double the effect again. And you reach a point in those decks where you have your Fires of Invention in play, and it's actually hurting you more than it's helping, because it's limiting you to two spells per turn, even though you have the mana to do more than that. Just pitch your Fires of Invention, get an Elishnor, and then start casting your spells. Uh, I think that's going to be a really spicy place for this card. I have a different idea, but let me just piggyback off of what you said about Elishnor. I think this will be a card that is played just because of the stopping your opponent's ETB triggers. I don't think it'll be played much because your ETB triggers get better because there's already a card that does that and they already tried to play it and they ended up cutting it, which was which was uh the Sultai card. The Sultai five mana, three five with lifelink and death touch. 
um, Yarok. Yarok. Yeah. They try. They played Yarok for a while and they ended up cutting it because it's a win more effect. It's a win more strategy. If you're getting all of your effects and you have and you have Fires of Invention out and you have Enigmatic in, in and out and you are at the point of the game where you're sacrificing permanence to get value, like you're already kind of in a position where you're winning the game anyway, unless you're super super far behind. And in that case, you don't really want to go for uh, Yarok anyway because you have to have follow up after the Yarok to be good. Um, Elish Norn, it was an amazing sideboard card and even playable in the main deck just because it has the ability to stop your opponent and a 4-7 Vigilance is very, very strong. Um, Yarok is able to be killed by things. Um, a lot, some things do 5 damage or have hard removal. It's really difficult to have hard removal for a 5-mana 4-7, even in Pioneer or Explorer. But my idea for this card in Standard is, you know what color has fallen by the wayside in Standard, guys? Green. Green is like nowhere to be found in like any deck that competitively in tournaments and standard right now. But I think Elishnorn brings green back because what is it? A five drop. And what cares about five drops? Uh, let's see. Storm the festival. <laughs> and that, and uh, you can storm the festival into Elishnorn and other creatures and uh, that get into the battlefield triggers. And this card is the perfect card for that. Because what are you playing right now in your five drop slot in standard with Storm the Festival? What are you playing? You're playing um, Elspeth Resplendent and Renin Seven, right? And it, like, yes. what, like, what else are you like? Those cards aren't that good. Uh, Elish Norn is a card that you would love to see off of a Storm the Festival. And when Elish Norn enters the battlefield, she triggers off of herself. If you have other cards on the battlefield as well that have um, cards that say when this creature enters the battlefield, like a uh, Galar Greeters, that would trigger twice when Elish Norn herself enters the battlefield. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, in standard, there's a lot of really good ETB triggers in standard right now um, that you could that you can use in a like a Bant shell with blue because this you can you can um, this is permanent, not just creatures. And I know I'm rambling right now, but you can storm the festival into this and the um, the four mana blue card that steals your opponent's creatures, and you trigger that twice because they it sees the other card. So there, there's, a, there's a lot to be said with a card like this in Storm the Festival in Standard, and this could bring green back to the menu when you think about Standard in that way. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with, that, with this card in a shell like that, but other than that, I don't think I'm happy with casting this for five mana, because I think I'd almost just rather cast an A.O. the Dawn Sky. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, uh, listeners, uh, anyone who plays Arena or Standard out there, go ahead. Put put Elish Norn Mommy of Machines on in your deck. You know, yeah. go ahead. I'm happy if you do. Go for it. Yeah, I think uh, I think James is has the normal Magic player syndrome and the understandable reaction of fantasizing when he sees this card. Um, but I think that's all it is. I think it's just fantasy. I, I don't I don't see this actually no, being a good no. inclusion. Okay, so okay, you don't understand that. Sanctuary Warden with this. Like it curves perfectly into that. Like I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of shenanigans. And, and Mono White Midrange is already one of the top decks, and it's proving to beat the Black Base Midrange decks in standard right now in competitive tournaments. And Elshnorn just makes those decks better. I don't know. I'm not sure it does. I'm really not sure it does. Hmm. Well, it, I mean, it would, like it would be it would be good in, like in, in a Mono White Midrange deck. It could be like a one of in the main board, but side a, co a copy or two more if your opponent happens to be playing and enter the battlefield trigger of um, um, a deck strategy. But I think it's a lot. It's it's even more powerful when you throw in the storm of the festival. So, but anyways, I, I I think we can go on and on about Elishnorn, but we have more to talk about about Elishnorn too, in the a billion rarities that Elishnorn is in. How many how many rarities is this? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll down here if you're watching from YouTube. 
but we have the alternate art borderless cards and Elstone is one of them okay that, that's two there's also the foil of the original printing that's three Elstorn Mother of Machines also has another another version of an alternate art borderless card. So it, it has an alternate art of the alternate art. Is that like alternate art inception or something? Like, holy mm -hmm. moly. Yeah. And this one looks extra mommy compared to the other one. Uh, it depends on if you like mommy, mommy Norn or less mommy Norn. Um, mm, yes. But it, it is an alternate art of an alternate art, which is hilarious. <laughs> How many rarities is that? And we're not even done. We're not even done. Um, there's another one. There's an oil slick foil of Ellis Norn and Mother of Machines, and it already Gross. looks like a Pringle, um, even from the picture on on the screen here. But uh, this, if you if you're listening to this on a podcast platform and not watching this on YouTube, so you can't see the oil slick foils. I don't even know how to explain this. How do you explain the the oil here? Like like a like a Yu-Gi-Oh ultimate rare? Yeah, have you ever been in like a parking lot and seen like an oil slip on yeah, the ground? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that rainbow, <laughs> that's what this is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you you were in a parking lot and you accidentally stepped in the oil puddle and you're like, "What did I just step in?" and you look down and it's a rainbow. Like it, it's it's basically you just, that. You just stepped in Elishnorn. <laughs> yeah, you stepped ah, in Elishnorn. I, oh, I feel God, you did I there. Elishnorn on my shoe. Uh. <laughs> no, Elishnorn's supposed to step on somebody else, not us step on Elishnorn. Anyway, um, <laughs> also, who's? I mean, like before we continue, who's that psychologist that says like everything that you 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 when it comes to like mommy or or parent shit that like everything that. Yeah, I feel like everything in this set is like a Freudian slip. Like someone in magic development just is like, just straight up, like a lot of team members in the magic development team just just went full Freudian and just like completely mommified everything. So like, yeah, I think it's just everyone getting caught up in mommy energy. I'm just blaming, you know, I, 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 I know Light Humphreys personally, I'm just blaming him like for everything now. <laughs> no, no, they're not, he I'm not. like the type, you seem like <laughs> the type. I'm, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. I'll meet you Light, I, I'm kidding Light. No, Watsy, don't come after us. I know I, Light, Light's a friend, <laughs> at least I know for now. Um, No, I like, like people like to attribute Elishnorn to like mommy, even before Elishnorn had the Word, literal word mother in the name <laughs> like now elishnorn has mother in the name Official. and then it's mother of machines which is an, which is m-o-m -M, which is mom like that had to be planned right i i hope so and you know the all arts you know the all artists artists out there if you listen to us for some reason all art artists just just go ham just go wild with this just run with it okay <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that is that the is that the end? No. Actually. Oh my gosh. There's two more rarities. I. I. We're, we're still going. Alice Norn has mm -hmm. another rarity, which is I don't know what you call this. It just says promos on the screen here. But they did call it something when we were going when they were going over the Frexia All Be One first look live on stream. They called this something, but it is a different rarity. And I don't know if this comes foil or non foil, or if it comes in a non foil and foil. I don't know. But there's another one, and then. Here is another, I can't even explain this to the listeners if they aren't watching this on YouTube. It's just Elishnorn in like almost a T pose, but the arms aren't even out as a T. It's just like stick figure pose, right? Yeah. And nothing in the backdrop. There, It's yeah. just white, like off-white in the background. Um, mm -hmm. We also have the Phyrexian art of the, the original art of, of Elishnorn, but it's Phyrexianized with Phyrexian lettering, and that's... I suppose that's probably going to come non-foil and foil, just like Children did, right? I'm not, I'm not sure 100, percent but if you count foil and non-foil of these rarities, there's, there's like nine different ones or something that you can get, maybe ten that you can get of Elishnorn. So it's basically just like a take your pick kind of thing. 
All right. I think we spent enough time on mommy. Time, we, we definitely so did. We probably. Yeah. We, 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 we spent enough time, but I think she deserves it. Uh, anyway, um, let's go ahead and go over blue. Shout out to the moms out there. <laughs> You're continuing this. I, I'm trying to move on. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, move on. All right. Next up is Blue Sun's Twilight. It's X and 2 blue for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature with mana value X or less. If X is 5 or more, create a token that's a copy of that creature. I really like the design of this card, but X is 5 is a lot, but I understand why they did it, because the art of this card uh, is depicting Jinkataxius in a really cool way, like Jinkataxius is like holding the moon in the hands there. And Jinkataxius is 7 mana, so they're trying to say if you pay 7 mana for Blue and Sun's Twilight, you can copy it. Um, what do you think, Airball, of this design? I think it's kind of cool. Um, I am not. Uh, I was more focused on evaluating the card itself, but I think that's very difficult to do without seeing the rest of the set. Um, if there's good ways, if there's, if there's like a good target for, um, for theft, then I think that this card could be very good. Um, and it reminds me a lot of uh, mass manipulation from the previous set too, so it's too expensive for any like steal and sack deck. So you want to be stealing consequential permanents. It's like stealing Shieldred would be pretty good. Stealing like Titan of Industry would be pretty good. So if those cards are good in the format, then uh, this one probably will be as well. Uh, I don't know about Titan of Industry. It's literally stick nine mana into that thing, into Blue Sun's Twilight to steal a Titan of Industry. You do want to copy it. But also stealing legendaries is weird too because then it doesn't like you would copy the legendary but have to like legend rule it so that's kind of weird like what do you what do you think about this Michael? Um, I think is it. I think I'm simplifying it in a, a sense of like tempo and mana, and I don't think this is a card that like blue might be interested in in um, because if you're playing this card like maybe it works but you kind of have to play a weird game where you're like. Oh, I'm gonna counter a lot of your early turn stuff, and then like mid game, I'm gonna kind of let things slip because I see a blue sun's twilight in my hand, or I know I can maybe draw one from the my deck, and then like you you kind of steal their thing at like that's five or more mana, but let's just think it's like turn seven and you do it, so now you grab something that's like a five mana thing and you copy it, but like that's not it's kind of counter to what your deck is doing in the in the first place. It just it seems like a weird fit. It, it seems more like a commander card, and it just seems like it's diverting from a game plan that would want from a card that wants to play this just because of the two, you know, the two blue mana cost. If it was one blue and an X, or one blue and XX, no, one blue and an X, it might be a little bit better, but because of the two blue, blue costs, it just, it seems to be doing something that, you know, a, a primarily blue deck doesn't really want to be doing. But I, 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 I could be incorrect. I think you're right that it's about tempo and wanting to like get to the late stage of the game, but I don't think you necessarily need to like wait it out. This reminds me of Aaron Gertler's um, Steal Your Girl deck from like a few, several years ago now, which mm. was built around just green blue ramp into mass manipulation. Yeah, Bolas's clutch. I remember that. And just like taking all of the opponent's permanence. Um, we don't know what the what the standard will look like when this set comes out. We're looking at literally six cards here, but um, it's possible that that ends up being good. Yeah, the, the the thing that this card reminds me the most of, I forgot the name off the top of my head, but it, it literally is just X. I think it's exactly X blue blue, but doesn't have the additional, like, if X is five or more, create a token that's a copy of it. And and it was... Entrancing Melody. Yeah, Entrancing Melody was played, like, up to three copies in sideboards of Demir Rogues, I think it was. 
uh, and other mono blue tempo decks because they, they don't really have a really good answer outside of the um, a legitimate business person card to get rid of problematic permanence because they're playing just mono blue. So there's no like real removal spells. It's just bounce spells like Fading Hope and stuff. And and Blue Sun's Twilight, a card like Entrancing Melody in the past, um, was a card that was played. Uh, you were going to say something, Michael? Yeah, it's a very specific card for a very specific deck. I think if there isn't something that's more styled that way, like for tempo of like, you know, that's what the, it was like a tempo aggro deck the Demir Rogues deck, then yeah, then it it works out there because they their their problems that the deck had, this was a solution for it. But unless you have a deck that kind of falls into the same kind of style, I don't think Blue Sun's Twilight is going to be something that could be, you know, easily slotted even to a sideboard slot. Like it's just mm-hmm. very awkward unless a metagame call is done that way where like mono white or mono green like some sort of deck is playing some off weird five or six you know uh mana thing that's very game swingy and a control deck can slot two of these blue suns twilight counter all their stuff let them resolve their six mana thing and i have like three or in these in my sideboard i can steal their thing and then like turn the game around but like if you're doing something like this the game better be turning around or you better have like a good tempo aggro game plan. That's why I'm like kind of so against this card. Yeah. Well, actually, the 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 thing that I'm most excited about with this isn't even about this card. It's about seeing white suns twilight, green suns twilight, black suns twilight, and red suns twilight. I want to say what those cards do too. We there were temple was it temporal pilots temple garden black old sun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this this is clear, this is clearly going after is is a is a sub is a like um um a sequel set of like the blue sun zenith blue sun's twilight green sun zenith green sun's twilight. So I mean I'm excited to see what those cards do. Um and they're probably gonna it's probably gonna be some part of a cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. probably. We'll see. Uh, moving on to another one. If Elfnorn's mommy, this one's definitely daddy. Uh, Phyrexian Ooh. Obliterator. Yeah. It's a four black, just straight Hold up. On. I'm going to stop you real quick. Just... This is my talk. Hold up. Sit down real quick, Jack. Let me, let me just talk about Phyrexian, my boy. Phyrexian Obliterator, real quick. No, you, have to call him right. da- you have to call him daddy, though. He daddy. Yeah, we know he daddy. He daddy. Yeah, Phyrexian Obliterator. Daddy. Look at those ob- yeah. look at those obliques. I see what I did there. Uh-huh. We got black, 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 5-5, five, five. trample, creature Phyrexian horror. Whenever a creature, whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that source controller sacrifices that many permanents. It's daddy. Okay? That card <laughs> okay. is hot. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, th- th- this this card actually is going to be difficult to splash into your more than black color <laughs> yeah, deck, like really hard. It's just four black, no generic mana. But I have seen it in green black decks that are just splashing one green card, and it's just a green mm. fight spell for a Phyrexian Obliterator mm-hmm. to fight your opponent's creature. Your creature deals a lot of da- deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, and they sacrifice their their entire board, actually. Uh, so I've seen a certain, like, combo, like, janky combo decks with this, but I've never really thought that those decks were ever, like, really good. The thing I see Phyrexian Obliterator in, Obliterator in is, like, a 2-2, two and two, like, 2 Shieldred, 2 Phyrexian Obliterator in, like, mono-black aggro or mono-black midrange, and, or, like, sideboarded copies of Phyrexian Obliterator against red damage removal decks, because 
they just cannot deal with this card. Like they will have to, they will have to sideboard some weird cards to deal with this, and it's probably going to be some weird steal steal a creature and attack you with it card. Airball. I got, how do how, how do those decks in the next standard? And I'll get to you last, Michael, because I, yeah, I want you to talk about this the longest. Um, but, but Airball, how do you, how do you if you're like a red based aggro deck, if you're like Gruel Werewolves. That's that's not really a deck in standard anymore. But if you're like a Gruel deck or like a a, a Gruel uh, even even in Pioneer, like a, the Gruel Boat deck, the Vehicles deck. And and you're playing with like you know uh, Asika's chariot and things like that. Or you're, how are you dealing with this? Like, do you just scoop? Uh well, you cast a blue sun's twilight for X equals four, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then you copy it uh, and have right. two of them. Right? Yeah, <laughs> taste it. Um, but uh, you're you're right that it's very difficult. It's not impossible. Uh, aggro decks can just like build up a super wide board and go around the obliterator because sacrificing permanence doesn't matter if the opponent's already dead. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a huge roadblock. I will say that I have fond memories of this card in Historic. Remember mm -hmm. back when Historic was good before mm -hmm. they added all the alchemy cards? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you had Jeskai Control and Mono Black was a thing. And one of the removal spells that people ran was Justice Strike, where a creature oh, dealt yeah. damage to itself oh, equal yeah. to its power. I remember that. I remember that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that was so satisfying, and I, I hope we see it again. Alright, Michael, it's your time to shine. Alright, just before I shine, I've been got by that Justice Strike, and it feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> it feels real bad. But I think I won that game still, because like I just <laughs> got rid of everything other than it, and I just beat their face in. Anyway, um, but it felt bad. Uh, Phyrexian and Obliterator, great. There's like a thing that someone posted on Twitter about playing Bushwhack, which Bushwhack is from the recent set that dropped from Bro. Uh, Bushwhack, one green, sorcery, choose one, search your target library uh, for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle. And then the other option is target creature you control fights, target creature you don't control. So, and I think, oh, it was Ash Lizzle. Ash Lizzle. Uh, what a queen! What a what an awesome, amazing content creator. Um, check out her stuff; she's amazing. I've seen her pull stuff like this in historic back in the day, so I'm I'm, I'm sure she's very excited. They're like she she put a, a post out like they ain't ready, and I don't believe they're ready. <laughs> the reason why it's exciting is because bushwhack, although albeit it's a sorcery, it fixes what you need to happen, right? So like, say that you pulled your green source early, you get a bushwhack, you know, you can get that other black mana that you need in order to cast you know ideally you're you're not this does not need to line up this way but you can cast you know get your get your other swamp that you need to cast the obliterator and then things kind of stabilize so it's not too bad if you even do this on like turn five where like you use your green source you get your fourth final mana and you slap down a, a phyrexian obliterator your opponent can't really it's hard to interact with a phyrexian obliterator so it might be something in the realm of possibility or you know you have the perfect mana base. You have. Is there a pain land that does both green and a black? I forget. There is. Lanowar Waste. Yeah. Lanowar Waste. So you have your perfect mana base of, you know, within your first four draw steps, like you you were able to pull that uh, that uh, Lanowar Waste and additional black mana. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of them. Four, that, yeah. You know, turn five, you're able to make your opponent fight something and you just remove their board and it's an easy win. Like, 
it's not outside the realm of, of possibility of, of working and i'm curious to see if it something kind of works its way into it but obviously like if this thing becomes more of a problem people are going to solve the problem of figuring out how to deal with a phyrexian obliterator but super exciting stuff if you've ever if you have ever ever crafted a, a phyrexian obliterator and seen your opponent deal with it or and or and or not read phyrexian obliterator yeah that shit is hot daddy hot he just he just said yo board it's mine it's gone i'll see you later you can see we've done here uh, you know daddy in the building and shit is my michael michael's gonna make some children cry at fnm with this what me no me me i got a model black deck already sleeved up me no me. Oh, i'm sorry i misjudged you terribly i'm sorry yeah i mean play uh, getting to four black mana on turn four or five isn't outside the realm of possibility in a even in a three color deck right now people are casting invoke despair in their three color decks which i didn't think should ever be possible but it's surprisingly consistent with the mana bases right now in standard okay, even even the black green mana there's the Taurus proving ground lanoir waste and the slow land i forgot what the name of it is but there's three different like pretty good green black dual lands in standard right now and you could also splash splash in a third color and have even more black dual lands and have every single mana in your entire deck black if you wanted to and still cast all of your spells on curve so uh if if there was a standard that you can cast phyrexian obliterator with not only playing mono black this is probably it oh cool <laughs> Ooh, it's too hot it's too hot okay gotta move on. i mean speaking move on. of hot we have three hot red cards coming and to finish it off number one is koth fire of resistance uh, there was some cool NPG lore with Koth that we won't go into today, but Koth is back in the new set. It's two and two red for four loyalty planeswalker. Plus two, search your library for a basic mountain card. Reveal it, put it onto your hand, and then shuffle. Minus three is Koth Fire of Resistance, deals damage to target creature equal to the number of mountains you control. And then minus seven is you get an emblem with whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control. This emblem deals four damage to any target. So... I mean, you can, in theory, play Koth, plus two to six, search a mountain. Next turn for that, plus two again to to eight, search another mountain, and then you can emblem this, play your mountain, and deal four damage. Whether it's ever going to get to that point is a whole different story. The only good thing I can say about Koth, and four mana Planeswalkers are in an interesting spot with competing with cards like the Wandering Emperor, which is like pretty hard to do to compete with even in standard is this minus three to deal damage to target creature equal to the number of mountains you control doesn't actually kill the cough so it has something going for it but other than that i don't think it's that good i mean the only way it's good is if if they don't remove it and also they don't attack it but if they're not removing anything you control and they're not attacking you and they don't have creatures then you're probably winning anyway right airball yeah, I think that's right. I, I think there's also not a whole lot of actual mountains in standard right now, like uh, with lands with the basic type mountain. So you're kind of stuck playing Koth in mono red, which traditionally wants its planeswalkers for the control matchup. And this card is just real bad as planeswalkers go against control. So I think in standard, it's not great. Maybe in older formats um, where you have the mana base to sustain something like that, it would be okay. But then you're competing with like Chandra Torch of Defiance and Jaya, and I, I don't, I just don't see a spot for it. Okay, one thing I do have to mention about what you said is that it actually searches for a basic mountain, not any mountain card. So it can't search for Jetmir's Garden and also can't search for Xander's Lounge. Uh, 
Sure. I'm talking about the minus abilities, uh, which are based on the number of just playing Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you can play Xander's Lounge and Jetmere's Garden and Zeotor's Proving Ground. So all three of those are mountains. Yeah. Um, but then you're playing a bunch of tap lands as well. So this this doesn't want to be in, like, a mono-red aggro deck, but I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's worth playing in the three-color decks that you're describing either, because at the four-drop slot in those decks, you just have stuff that's way more powerful than this. Yeah. So I just don't see a home for it. Yeah. Wait, what do you think about this, uh, Michael? I think what's really aggravating, like, we all want to be excited because we're returning back to, like, Phyrexia-type stuff, and, like, we're waiting. I hope, like, I don't think they'll ever get to it. We'll see. that We do some Phyrexian mana type of things, but, like, these... Other than Phyrexian Obliterator, which is on track of what Black wants to be doing, you know, Elish Norn, Blue Sun's Twilight, this card, it's kind of anti of what the color identity wants to be doing or what it's slotting into the color identity of what you want to be focusing on onto uh, what the card does. Like, you know, Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, white card you want to make a whole bunch of small creatures attack fast kill right five mana you have blue sun's twilight efficiency you want to be very efficient with what you're doing you want to tempo your opponent you want to kill your opponent you know blue sun's twilight isn't necessarily in line with that perfectly then you have cause five resistance which is kind of like opposite of what you want to be doing in red which is like ramping and like controlling your opponent's board and you know but really all you want to do is come in and beat face like cough fire resistance is i just explained what it's it's not lining up with your red game plans double red red you know i don't know what deck might wouldn't want this that's doing something other than red that wants to it's not even ramp it's just ensuring that you pick up a mountain and then you can it's like a control card in red and like unless there's big red or big red control which happens sometimes in historic or happens sometimes in pioneer but definitely not in standard and like even in those other formats i mentioned koth is not something you're interested in playing so like i don't know what this card is supposed to be doing sick card sick art real cool vibes but i don't know what this is uh how it contributes to gameplay okay you know you know what i'm gonna do right I'm going to come up with a way that I think this is broken Correct. and out of this out of this world. So freaking good, Correct. right? Like I did with Power Stone tokens, like I did with Eldrazi's. You know I'm here to break the meta. You know what I mean? Like Power Stone tokens are awesome. Have you played standard recently? I don't know. Anyway, what How- I've I've found the way to break Koth, okay? You ready? I just thought about this. This mm. I, I I there might be holes in this. Okay? So don't Preach. those don't bind me to this. Preach. But historic Okay, I don't I don't play historic, but like you you can play historic and play <laughs> you this. You can't stop that way. You can't you can't stop okay, that okay. way. Stop that no, 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 no. I'm saying that I'm not gonna play it, but if you play historic listening to this, you do this, please. And tell me that you did this. Cough fires of resistance. Are you ready? Is scape shift ban in historic? I don't think so. Okay. No? No? Is scape shift ban in modern? Nope. Let me give you a little bit of a Koth Fires of Resistance idea. The minus seven is you you play Vorinclex, the six mana one from Kaldheim, and then you play Koth after that. Are you ready? It enters the battlefield at eight loyalty. You minus seven immediately after it enters the battlefield because it doubles the loyalty counters when it enters the battlefield. And then you, you scape shift into a bunch of Valakuts and you deal four damage to their face and kill them. It's not going to happen. I, I, it's bad, and that's all I can think of. 
Have you considered the next Olympics? Because the amount of tricks and loops <laughs> that you just did was wild. <laughs> you could technically do That's that. A stretch even for you. Like you I can... accept a little bit of stretch because you make content and you do make decks that like whip people's butt on the ladder. But I ain't seeing it, man. <laughs> Listen, I don't, don't, uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna do this. Okay, now, now, now. Don't. Exactly. I'm yeah. gonna do this now. Okay, I said I wasn't gonna do it, but I, I'm gonna figure out a way to make to put Vorinclex <laughs> on the battlefield and then play Koth afterwards, scape shift and Valakut people. I'm going to do that. Someone meme James to that. I had to do it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, uh, if, 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 okay, I can always give the excuse that it's for the content, right? I don't actually have to be serious, right? I mean, if I say it's for the content. Mm-hmm. We're moving on. I just uh, love how it, uh, <laughs> if you play these other good cards, they're situationally good with this one. Oh, my God. But, but, but it's good, though, right? Because, because histor in Historic, there's no Valica. In Modern, it's a Tier 1 deck. You can scape shift into a bunch of mountains because there's a bunch of triumphs and stuff that are mountains and dumb your opponent's face for a game. Koth, let me tell you, I'm, I play a lot of mine. If you're playing Cawthon 4, I'm happy. I am so happy. You y'all, hey, No, 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 it's not going to be Cawthon 4. The turn I play Koth, you're dead. I'm playing it, and it's going to go to 8 loyalty when it enters the battlefield, and I'm going to minus 7 immediately and scape shift, and you die. Okay, okay. How yeah. about you have Elish Norn and play its death? <laughs> How about you steal it with Blue Sun's Twilight? Okay, moving on. Slow Bad is a two and a red. <laughs> Rexian Goblin Artificer. It's a three three. Are we describing the last card? Slow Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally wheezing. We're talking about Koth. <laughs> talking about Koth. We're talking about the new card. Oh, 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 the new card. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a new card. I promise. It's called Slow Bad Iron Goblin. It's not that Koth <laughs> is slow and bad. <laughs> All right. It's two and a right. it's two and a red. It's a legendary creature, Frexian Goblin Artificer. It's a three three. You can tap it and sacrifice an artifact. Add an amount of red mana equal to the sacrificed artifact's mana value. Spend this mana only to cast artifacts, spells, or activate abilities of artifacts. I really wish it didn't say that line. I just want to add all the red. Like what? Like what could go wrong, right? Like what are they preventing from happening by making this a three mana three three that sacrifices an artifact and just adds red? Period. Right. This Older feels like there's some busted infinite combo that would be way too easy if you didn't have that last line of text. Probably in an older be. format, but like I don't know. Like, is this card good? It looks like you cast it because your deck's supposed to be cool and fun, and then they remove it, and then your deck's no longer cool and fun because you no longer control this creature on the battlefield. Yeah, and I don't know what red stuff is cool. Like, we have Mishra's Research Desk, right? Like, that's kind of a cool red thing. That's artifacts, but, like, is there any other, like, I know there's Onikal Anvil. Is there some cool, like, but but but, red, what, but what's blue. weird though is that like a lot of the artifacts that you would want to sacrifice give you no red mana, right? Because you get red mana equal to the sacrifice artifacts mana value, and you can only use it to cast yeah. artifacts or activate abilities of artifacts. So like, what the heck can you do with this? I mean, my I have I have a pretty janky brain as you can see as as for the Koth example, but like I don't even think off the top of my head I can figure out something to do with this. Yeah, I think. Go ahead. The the prototype cards. What's their CMC when they're in play? Their CMC actually like it changes to their prototype cost. Okay, 
I was thinking maybe we could cheat out like nine mana worth of value with I mean, a prototype card. I but. mean, you could like you can play a two mana artifact and then play slow bet on three, and then on turn four you can sacrifice the two mana card, gain two red mana, play your untap land, and then you get six mana on turn four. Like, is this a ramp card? I, I, I think why this card is written the way it is written is because um, Spring Leaf Drum exists. And going from... I think that's probably why. I mean, Spring Leaf Drum would just... Like, this is far too inefficient to play with Spring Leaf Drum. Yes and no. Like, your turn after you play Slow Bad, or the turn that you play Slow Bad, you can do five mana worth of things on turn three. So, uh, well, I mean, it's it's a tap and sack an artifact ability, so you have to wait till turn four because it'll be summon sick. That's I right. Wonder, yeah. Do you think there's something here with like Emery and Paradox Engine? Like, like, like what are you like? What are you gonna do? This... Sacrifice a card to ramp in a Paradox Engine? Uh, well, yeah, that would be one thing you could do. But like a lot of the time with Emery, um, you you don't get to use her for value just because your graveyard is empty, and this will fill your graveyard and give you the mana to recast things. All of a sudden, you have a Paradox Engine in play, and this is an infinite loop with that, right? Um, yes, because Paradox Engine sacrifices this. I mean, Paradox Engine untaps the Slow Bad, and the Slow Bad can keep tapping and sacrificing the artifact and adding mana to keep going. Exactly. And then you would right, also so play like Bergy. You play Bergy as well, right? To like keep it. you can probably infinite storm with this card in historic. But historic's the only the only format that you can play Paradox Engine because it's banned in like almost every other format. Uh you can play it in Explorer, I'm pretty sure. Paradox Engine? I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, I mean you might be able to play it in Explorer and Pioneer, but it is banned in Modern and it is banned in Commander. They just the game designers wrote this in a very specific way that is very interesting they're very careful about this and so like it might they might have been so careful that it makes it kind of bad so, <laughs> yeah because like, yeah, cause like when you when you print when you print this effect like and you're not super careful there's so many people in this world that will figure this card out if it didn't say that last line and it will just break the game you know well yeah. even even the first line like add an amount of red equal to the sacrifice mm -hmm. artifacts mana value like that also like because if it didn't have that either um depending how they wrote that like yeah so and it taps so yeah they, they wrote this in like so many different ways because <laughs> yeah. they noticed like all all the dials on this thing would be so effed if like they didn't be super strict about it so they did it in such a fact that like it kind of removed all the fun from the card i don't know yeah but we, we have seen an example in magic the gathering history where they tried to nerf a card into oblivion and ended up the card being still good enough to be get banned um you know, you know, you know, you know that black, yeah, skull clamp. Like, but I'm talking about the the nerfed version of the card is still getting banned. Um, you you remember anyone remember the card? You know, Black Lotus. You know what that card is. Um, anyway, that card no, they tried they it. tried to I know weird right weird concept. Um, they they uh, printed a card called Lion's Eye Diamond, which is supposed to be a way to like nerf Black Lotus to it, to tap itself only at instant speed, discard your whole hand, and then add three mana, just like Black Lotus. But you have to discard your hand, and it's only used at instant speed. But that card still got banned, and it's still played in CEDH to this day, and it's one of the most broken cards in CEDH. So, they, WotC in the past has done a nerf to a card that has still made the card super broken. So we will have to see with Slow Bad Iron Goblin, right? Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, and I'm not smart enough to break this card. Someone else is just smarter than me. They'll have to do it. Uh, moving on to the, yeah. to the last card, Jorkadine, first Gold Warden. It's a two mana, two, two. The two mana is a red and a white for a legendary creature, Human Rebel, with Trample. Whenever Jorkadine, first Gold Warden, attacks, it gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of equipped creatures you control. Then, if Jorkadine's power is four or greater, draw a card. I mean, any, any effect that this has had in the past has just been awful. Right. Yeah, the only only uh, time I can never I can even see this card being played Nahiri. is in Pioneer and Modern because they have uh, what's the card Sigarda's Aid, and with like yeah. Colossus Hammer, and those are the only times I can see that being played. And uh, and you would have to play Boros Colors for that. And usually in Modern they like to play Blue White to be able to play Spell Pierce and and in uh, like Lavinia on the sideboard. But um, mm -hmm. I, but the Pioneer version of Hammer does play Red White, so. Have you seen the Hammer Deck in Pioneer at all, either one of you? No. No way. I've seen it, I've seen it in Pioneer, and it is red-white, and this card could be played, but what's this going to do? Like, you have one equipped creature, mm -hmm. like, you get plus, plus one, plus one when this, when this attacks, so it's going to be a two-mana, three-three trample, and then if its power is four greater due to Colossus Hammer, so it'll be a 13-13 th trample, and then you draw a card. Like that, sure, that's then yeah. you've done the thing. Yeah, right? like, 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 like that's draw. the thing that I can see you doing, but that still doesn't win you the game, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you do so much work, and the effect of you know doing all that work isn't good enough, and also your opponent sees that thing happening from a mile away. It's like, uh, I mean, I mean, with yeah. with uh, with it, with uh, with Sigarda's aid though, you can just flash in a hammer, flash in the hammer, equip it to Jorkadine, and then. Uh, its power will be far greater on the trigger of Jorkadine. Like, you could do that if you wanted to. Yeah, this effect isn't as bad as it was, like, a few sets ago, because you still have the reconfigure equipments from Kamigawa. So if your creature dies, you don't just get blown out on the mana that mm. you invested. You still have something laying around. Um, without haste, this card doesn't interest me at all. I, I think this is just a commander thing. Yeah, it could be just a commander, but I could see it seeing play in Pioneer or Explorer just based off based off of the deck wanting to just do a play on play a creature on turn two and then turn three equip, maybe give this plus plus two plus whatever with an equipment and then draw a card, which is a lot of value, which the deck usually does not have because it's playing a lot of the artifacts and everything, ornithopters of whatever, of, or whatever, on turn one and removing their hand. This, this gaining back the card advantage would be the reason why this card would be playable, if it ever is. So um, that's it for all of the creatures. Let's move on to the other stuff. That's uh, there's, some, there's some lands we're going to go over. There's some other rarities we're going to go over. Uh, there is the basic land set, if you're watching this from YouTube, is a uh, plains, an island, a swamp, mountain, and forest, of course. And then there is the Phyrexian full art versions. I mean, those are full art versions as well, and those will be... I honestly think this will be really cool foil. I I do like the look of these. But the Phyrexian version of it, I don't like. Um, Michael, you like these, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if anyone remember the secret layer that was called, like, the Brutal Lands, or the... I forget what it's called, but it was basically just straight up black and white and had similar art styles. And it's one that I use on my arena sleeves all the time. Um... But yeah, I, I kind of do like what the uh, art style on them. It's just like simple, kind of elegant, but still has a little bit of complexity. And like, and speaking within that, that's like very Phyrexian. So like, and I like that, you know, you have the Phyrexian like text or whatever. Um, so I don't know. To me, they, 
because the I really liked how the brutal lands were. It speaks. It kind of like speaks into that inspiration, and so I guess I'm kind of a fan. And I get, I get, I get from Airball and in the one game that like it isn't for everyone. But I guess this art style is for someone like me, who's you know, uh, I don't know, a little bit more uh, like death and like I don't know. Uh, <laughs> weird eldritchy type of effects uh i'm a i'm a warlock main in D D stuff so like this is the type of stuff that i'm just like oh yeah look at all this like fucking deep dark fucking shit so that's that's me wasn't the the last art that looked similar to this but you know not really were the, was that from kaldheim when they did that when they did the whole rock theme and they made the the land art that looked kind of like this was that the black and white lands that you're talking about was that kaldheim or was that something yeah. else Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I think they were called like brutal something. I can look it up. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Kaldheim, and I wasn't a huge fan of those lands either. But um, yeah, uh, look it up. Yeah, let me let me know. Was it Kaldheim? I'm about to look. Oh, yeah, look it up. Uh, there are also the regular basic lands that are just going to come in foil and and just regular the ones that you'll just open all the time out of your packs. And these aren't like super awesome or anything. They're just regular basic lands. But if you like your regular basic lands, here they are. Um, and also we have our next form of borderless cards. They're called the alternate art borderless cards. And this is the one we were talking about earlier, that Elish Norn has an alternate art of this alternate art. But this alternate art comes with Elish Norns, as we, as we said before. It comes with Flexion Obliterator, Slow Bad Iron Goblin, and Jorkadine First Gold Warden. And I, I don't know. I don't, th- this type of card is, like, just isn't for me. I don't, I don't, I don't like them. Maybe they'll look better if they were foil or something. Do you like these airball? I don't. A lot of these remind me of the uh, double feature Innistrad cards, which I think are kind of an abomination. <laughs> I only play them when I when I can't find another copy of anything else. I do love the Phyrexian Obliterator, though. It kind of has that like Rorschach test feel to it. Uh, it, it. It fits for the Phyrexian Obliterator, but the rest, it just feels kind of comic booky and forced. Yeah. I, I like the I I agree with you folks. Uh, actually, I do like the first three or that we're looking on Scryfall if you're on YouTube. But Elish Norn, Phyrexian Obliterator, and Slow Bad, I do like the style. But like I said, I'm the fan of like uh, the in the secret lamb referring to was the unfathomable unfathomable crushing brutality of basic lands. So that's the secret layer thing I was talking about. But I do like this art style. When I was in high school, I was a big metal rock alternative art prog rock like just very into the rock scene type of stuff and this is like this type of like rawness intensity is the stuff that i really like and like i really like in magic as well um so i definitely am a fan um personally but i understand like i said the art style is not for everyone and there's some other goofy art styles that people are like i love this i'm like y'all goofy but like this one i like this stuff yeah, I, I have uh, I have nothing against like the the reason why these uh, what I'm about to talk about were created, but when, in fact I love the reason why they're created. But the crayon hoof card, the like the the was it a secret lair that they had mm-hmm. um, that were drawn yeah. by by children. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that you know love the love the art, and I mean I personally don't like the art, but I do love what it's what it stands for. But I personally would not be putting them in my in my decks, you know. And it's just like this in every other art. You know, some things aren't for you, but also, you know, you can put them in your deck, or you could just not put them in your deck, you know. Uh, this flex, the Phyrexian Obliterator and the Slow Bad Iron Goblin from the alternate art borderless cards that we see here, um, remind me of the Innistrad Midnight Hunt, um, like just straight up black and white cards. Like, was that what you were talking about earlier, Airball? 
like the straight yeah, up black and white, but you don't you don't parish, you don't even yeah. know like what color they are. Like I don't even know what land. Like they all look like a swamp, even though it's like a, a, a it's a plains, but it looks like a swamp. So I can never know like what's on the other side of the battlefield. Like, is that a black card or is that like a plains? <laughs> like I, I can't actually tell. But um, yeah, it looks like they screwed up with the printing. <laughs> like came off the press wrong. Like they ran out of ink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoops, sorry, ran out of color. Let's just co uh, color it black and white. But it's just not my thing. Um, let's go. There's only one copy of a uh, borderless planeswalker, which I love this art. Like this art is just the best to me. It, it, Koth Fire of Resistance is getting a borderless black and white art. But I like the fact that the uh, the around the Koth Fire of Resistance and around the Planeswalker loyalty abilities is just bright red, so you know what color it is. But everything else is black and white, and I just love this art. You buying four copies, right? Of Koth? Yeah, for my combo. My combo kill. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're buying four copies, yep. I have yeah. to, I mean, I have to count, I have to buy four copies. How is How else is a combo kill supposed to be consistent? You know exactly. what? I've already decided exactly. it's it's four colors. Emergent Ultimatum plus red. And I'm, I'm going to Emergent okay, Ultimatum yeah. for the combo pieces. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, next time you see the one Jame, if he's out and about and he's playing a format that he can be playing this, he, he got four copies of these. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's not even a meme for me. That's, that's the weird part. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> the, the oil slick foils. And this is going to be fun. We already talked about Allstorn oh. being an oil slick foil. foil. That's the only actual car we know of so far that's in the oil slick. There's five. The five basic land types are also oil slick foils. It kind mm -hmm. of reminds me of the what? What did this? What were the Pokemon lands again? What set was that? Was that Eldraine? Or, or no, no, no. It, it was um, Theros. It was Theros Beyond Death. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of those, like the templating, just the mana symbol in the middle plus whatever's mm -hmm. around it. But this, mm -hmm. if you're if you're listening to this on a uh, podcast platform or not on YouTube, so you can't see this, it looks kind of like that, just the mana symbol in the middle, like a pretty big, and then the oil the uh puddle that you step in in the parking lot around it like the rainbow foily uh oily color do you, do you like this guys mm -hmm. airball do you like it i like the elish norn because i think the oil slick flavor is good for the phyrexians the lands i can take or leave uh i'm a fan oil me up baby uh slick me <laughs> up that's uh, i like these lands um they remind me, like you said, about the Theros of the simple elegance. And I think over time, the magic community will like them. If you like foils, you can, like, you're good with your foils of making them flat and stuff. I don't know if these foils are, like, kind of printed. The foils or like, the angle of, like, the foil makes them so that the color that they're supposed to be. Because, like, on the kind of um, the previews on Scryfall, they, it kind of looks rainbowy, but it also kind of looks like it's the colors they're meant to be. But that might just be a coincidence. But if they're able to pull off, like, they're always purple with the sheen, like, for Swamp, and always blue for, like, you know, Island, and red for this, the, the mountain, that'd be really, like, hot. Um, I'm a fan. I, I like the simple elegance of it, and I like how, like, there you were speaking earlier how you don't like lands or something that seems to have some sort of um, vagueness or something. But this, these are very clear and concise, like, this yeah. is a Swamp. And so, yeah. uh, and I like kind of I don't know. This art style also reminds me of like old textbooks that I looked at while I was in the Philippines or like very old textbooks where it's just straight up black and white and they had to do like the most they can with it. 
And so if you look at the background art, it just looks kind of dope. So I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I do like these for the fact that you can clearly tell whether what color it is. The, the symbols in the middle are the actual color, and that's not just a sheen. You can tell that it's like white, blue, purple, uh, red, and green. And then the bottom writing of the Phyrexian is that color also, and it's purposely that color. Everything else is just the rainbow oil sheen, I think. But those two things in the card, and it's super noticeable, are the actual color of the card, which makes me ah. way more excited than the other ones that were literally just black and white and had a... You could barely see an outline of what color the land was. Yeah. All right. I, I, so in that case, I do like those. We have one extended art card that's shown, but I'll, like every card's going to be extended art. We have the Blue Suns Twilight here. And then we also have the, I don't know what promo it is, but we have two different promos. There is, well, the promo, actually, no. The, the last one is not a promo. This one is a promo. The Elish Norn that looks like the, the T-Pose stick figure pose. That is the only promo we have. And then the uh, Phyrexianized card is probably the only one which is the Elstorm because there's no other Phyrexian that we know of yet in this and maybe Phyrexian Obliterator gets this kind of treatment but for right now the mm -hmm. Phyrexian writing is just for Elishnorn. yeah so yeah maybe I, we get a Phyrexian Jace do we get a Phyrexian Jace actually yes uh, that, that, is something we, that is something we should probably mention as well right I hope so. There, there, does anyone remember off the top of your head, or do you have it in front of you, the 10 different mm, Planeswalkers that are going to be in the set confirmed? There are 10 Planeswalkers confirmed in the set. We don't have the exact um, like abilities of what the cards do yet, but we do have Koth that is confirmed not Phyrexianized, and especially yeah, the name is Fire of Resistance. So go ahead, Airball, talk to us about the Planeswalkers coming in the new set. Uh, so we know, I believe, that we that Jace will be there, Kaito's going to be there, Kaya, Koth, Luka, for reasons I don't fully understand, uh, Nahiri, Nissa, Tyvar, Vraska, and the Wandering Emperor herself. And I think we know also that five of them are going to be completed. Yes, five, five out of the ten are going to be completed, and, and Koth is guaranteed not completed. Right. Um, right. and yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna like pop off real quick. Jace completed. I hate Jace. I don't <laughs> care. All you Jace lovers out there, I don't care. He's so mid. All y'all love him for no freaking reason. He gonna be completed. That boy, just just complete that boy. Second, you know, maybe next, Luca, kind of in the same vein, to be honest. Like his storyline, super whack. We thought he was gonna be super cool. He's just always like very mean to everyone he comes across. Yeah. He has an attitude for no goddamn reason. That boy completed. Uh, we could see a Nahiri completed because she has some internal rage and some X Y Z. Why she, you know, whatever. I can see that. And then the other two, I I don't feel like we have Nissa completed. However, if Nissa gets completed, how busted is that card? That card is busted right in half. Okay, like, I personally think shot. Nissa is going to be completed. You want to know why? Okay. What's up? Because Nissa who shakes the world, what was the Nissa that came after that? The Golgari Nissa, the format of Nissa. And then, True. and since Nissa who shakes the world turned into, I don't know if it's in sequential order or whatever, but the, it was sequential as, as far as like sets were concerned. The Nissa has black in it now. And what is that mm. supposed to mean? That Nissa's leaning towards being Phyrexian or, or more leaning towards the dark side, if you will. 
Um, I could mm -hmm. also see Vraska being Phyrexianized because Vraska's already green black. Yeah. That's and uh, yeah. if you haven't seen yet on the live stream of Magic, they showed the concept art or whatever, or it was like a it was like a, a version of like five or ten planeswalkers in a picture, and they were it showed them all Phyrexianized, even though we don't know which ones are Phyrexianized or not. There is going to be guaranteed Phyrexian arts of the planeswalkers, even if they're not Phyrexian, not even if they're not completed, oh. I, which is a Phyrexianized completed. There will be the um like teaser arts of all of the cards that will be actually printed that are completed arts but not necessarily the planeswalker being completed and we have the completed art of vraska and she looks insane and i'm telling you after seeing that art if if vraska is not completed after seeing that art i'll be upset so i also saw i think it was your tweet actually james about the alchemy card assemble the team yes that was my tweet uh yeah, so there are five Planeswalkers in the art for that card, and it looks very, we're going to take on the Phyrexians. And the five Planeswalkers there uh, are Nyssa, Vraska, the Wandering Emperor, Kaya, and I think that's Koth, although it's kind of hard to tell. Which, if those are the five non-completed ones, that leaves us with Jace, Kaido, Luka, Nahiri, and... Uh, who? Who? What's the last one? There's one I'm missing. Emperor. No, she's right there in the center of the of the art for assemble the team. So I missed one. Oh, Tyvar. Tyvar would also be completed. That's the one I was missing. So Jace, Kaido, uh, Luca, Nahiri, and Tyvar would be the completed planeswalkers in that case. Yeah, I've brought the card up on the on the YouTube version here, and yeah, it's from from left to right. It's uh, Tyvar, Ka uh. It's Tyvar, then Kaya, and then Emperor, and then Vraska, and then Nyssa, right? I thought that might have been Koth on the left side. I think that's Tyvar. Okay. Well, we know we know Tyvar is not completed, confirmed, right? No, so... Koth is not completed. That's the only one not completed, confirmed. Right. Yeah. So if Koth isn't in that picture, and we know five of them are completed, um, then this theory is out the window. Right. Well, that means that these five could be the ones that are completed. Yeah, that's also possible. Yeah, so that's why I was like, is this a teaser? Is this alchemy card a teaser for what could be completed? Because why else would these five Planeswalkers be on the card when these five Planeswalkers are going to be in the next set? And this was already printed into alchemy. With, with like, Of course, Wizards knows that these Planeswalkers are going to be a part of the future sets, but we didn't know yet. And it was already printed on a card. And what are the, what, is it just a coincidence that these are like five of the Planeswalkers that are in the new set? Maybe not, probably not. And the fact that it's five of them and none of them are Koth leads me to believe that Tyvar, Kaya, Wandering Emperor, Vraska, and Nyssa are going to be completed. I feel like I feel like if we also were to think of which ones would be the five most busted completed ones, it would easily <laughs> be like Jace, Kaido, Kaya, Nyssa, and Vraska. Like if they were to complete those ones. That would just be busted in half. That's not my predictions, but those ones would be busted in half. If yeah, more it, likely. if you, if you listeners have any prediction of what you of which five you think will be Phyrexianized completed, let us know on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod, uh, and let us know which five you think will be completed. But anyways, 
this wraps it up for today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for, to everyone for listening, uh, especially to those who made it this far. Thank you so much. Make sure to give us a follow to see our next episodes. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod, and we will see you in the top eight.